Welcome to MedEvidence, where we help you navigate the truth behind medical research with unbiased, evidence-proven facts, powered by Encore Research Group and hosted by cardiologist and top medical researcher, Dr. Michael Corrin. And we're spending time with Dr. Michael Corrin today, and we're talking about how to get good information about our healthcare status, all the health information that's out there, all these medical studies, all the research you know, how do we go through all that and make it work for our lives and the lives of our friends and loved ones? And so we're talking with Dr. Korn about that. There's a great resource out there that Dr. Korn and his team uh, direct and are responsible for. It's the MedEvidence website. Go to MedEvidence.com. That's MedEvidence.com. And before we get into the details of what we want to talk about in this podcast, Dr. Korn, summarize really quickly what people are going to find when they go to MedEvidence.com. So thanks for that great question, Kevin. And MedEvidence is a platform where people can find the truth behind the data. Uh, unfortunately, when you ask Dr. Google for some health information, typically what you get back is what somebody's trying to sell you. Nothing wrong with selling you stuff, but you need to be objective and you need to look at information that's relevant to you. So in our first session, we talked about not thinking about things that are good versus bad. Everything could be either good or bad, and there's nothing that, that's absolute. You should be thinking about the world as risk versus benefit. And as part of that risk versus benefit analysis, who you are is really, really important. Yeah. So there are characteristics that are just your characteristics that will ultimately be important in terms of making good decisions about what healthcare claim you should believe, what product you should use, uh, what service you should use, et cetera. So let's, let's break that down a little bit more. Okay, so let me use you as an example, mm -hmm. Kevin, who, who you are. So as, you know, as, a, as a radio entrepreneur, I would say that when you are making a decision about what antibiotic to use for, let's say, urinary tract infection, you may not want to use something that has a side effect of hearing loss. That's true. Right? So that's nothing to do with your race or your, your sex or gender, but it has to do with what you do for a living and what your personal risk versus benefit is. So uh, we know that certain antibiotics called the macrolides, you know, example of that would be a Z-Pak or azithromycin or vancomycin in particular that you get in the hospital. One of the side effects of that that's unique to that particular product is hearing problems, mm. hearing loss. That would be a really bad risk for you, yes, Kevin. Yes, it would be. So if you, if you looked up Google, best antibiotics for a urinary tract infection, um, that element of your thinking is not going to be there. But we like to get that element of thinking in the MedEvidence podcast so that people can personalize things. Um, during the break, right before the session, our producer was saying that she took a glucosamine for the last uh, 20 years and that it helped the arthritis pain in her knees. And is that good or bad? Well, how, I don't, how should I look at it? Well, glucosamine as a nutritional supplement isn't as well tested as drugs, obviously uh, because of FDA mandates and government control over the drug supply these things have a lot of information before they get on the market. Glucosamine as a nutritional supplement isn't subject to all those rules. But there are actually some studies with glucosamine that show it has some benefits. And then, of course, uh, there's the old trial and error assessment, which is a bit of a clinical trial where an individual 
tries it, then takes herself off of it and tries it again. And you you know sense whether or not there is some some benefit to these things. And over time, you figure out that this works for you. It doesn't work for you. Well, our producer, who I happen to know, is a you know a pretty serious athlete, and she's running and biking and using her knees all the time. So the who you are element of it is that she's extremely active and needs some help for the the pain in her knees that will come with her activities. And her choices will be you taking ibuprofen or an anti-inflammatory like that that could have gastrointestinal side effects or maybe taking something like glucosamine or some combination thereof. So for the who you are element of it, it's her day-to-day activities that are important, not her race or her gender necessarily. We do know that women have more bone risk than men but in this case, it's more about your day-to-day activity, and that's true based on your occupation. So, you know, as a cardiologist, my day-to-day occupation doesn't necessarily put my knees at risk, but I happen to like playing soccer, which has put my knees, ankles, hips, and and my and my head at risk on many occasions. And so, you know, the things that I choose will be reflection of who I who I am and what I like to do. Now, there's been a lot of focus in the media about um, race, for example. And what I like to tell people is you know, race is, is a consideration in terms of healthcare claims, but probably less than a lot of other things. So I like to remind people that genetically, we are 99.9% identical between blacks and whites and Asians and whites, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> on average, things are going to be the same between blacks and whites. Women or men are fundamentally different. We have different chromosomes. So although we're mostly the same, there are differences that could impact our health. But having said that, in a lot of situations, there's really no difference between the way men and women are going to respond to antibiotics or cholesterol drugs or most things. But there are some things where that would be a consideration, particularly when you get into uh, hormonal issues and, and things that may affect us differently. Or... Uh, disease predisposition. So for example, men tend to develop coronary artery disease and atherosclerosis 10 years earlier than women. Doesn't mean that women don't get benefits from the treatments that will help men, such as statins, but that their risk profile may be different. And this is, again, the interface between who you are, risk profile, and what decisions you make. Family history may be the most important thing. So um, is there anything in your family, Kevin, that is of a, a particular concern when you evaluate your health? Well, a history of diabetes, you know, type 2 diabetes on both sides of my family. So, you know, obviously you have to be somewhat conscious of that, right? Yeah. So something like diabetes is going to be more related to situational things. So uh, physical activity, uh, it's going to be related to um, your diet and things of that nature. So my guess is that if you stay fit and trim the way you are, you'll be okay. But maybe because of your family history, if you get a little bit overweight, you, things will go in the wrong direction. Right. Big example of that. Obviously, we know there are certain cancers that run in families. There are certain other conditions. One that I deal with a lot is called familial hypercholesterolemia, where the, the uh, function of your LDL receptors, these are the receptors that clear cholesterol from your circulation, is impaired. And these people genetically have extraordinarily high risk. And they have to be looked at differently than other people that may have high cholesterol just based on on eating too much fried food, for example. Another example that uh, you and I have talked about this more than once is lipoprotein little a, which is a type of lipid particle that we couldn't do anything about until very recently. 
And now we have strategies through clinical trials that expose people to products that can lower their lipoprotein little a by more than 90%. So again, who you are uh, uh, has to do with your genetics and family history. And uh, by the way, LPA affects all uh, races, all religions, it affects all genders. So this is something that crosses those lines. And it's just about what your family tree looks like and uh, whether or not you inherited the gene that causes a high level of this lipoprotein A. Well, and clearly the takeaway, right, whether we're considering risk versus benefits to some of the health information we get or who we are, you know, in terms of our genetic makeup or where our socioeconomic status is or what have you, makes it really hard just to go to Dr. Google and just start looking at the results of, you know, the media talking about some recent healthcare study, right? Because that information is going to be so synthesized, it's not going to consider any of those two issues. No, exactly, exactly. And then the other, the other piece of who you are is your belief systems. And I, and I think we should spend a few moments uh, looking at that. So, yeah, there's certain people that have belief systems that will favor, for example, exercise as their primary way of treating things. And yeah, exercise is wonderful. Um, exercise is, is intimately associated with longevity and prevents a lot of problems. But there are certain situations where you can exercise all you want, and it's still not going to change your health course. And then you need to look at other things. And I, and I brought up familial hypercholesterolemia before, and that's a great example of it, is that you can exercise uh, 24 hours a day if that were possible, and you're still going to have high cholesterol because genetically you're predisposed to it. So um, belief systems are important. You get into religious belief systems, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, for example, that don't want to take blood products. That's always a challenge. And that, if that's the belief system and that's the trade-off you want to make, then that's fine. We'll, we'll do the best we can with, uh, with treatments that don't involve uh, blood products. But sometimes they're belief systems that are not internally consistent. And I think it's fair for our MedEvidence platform to challenge those belief systems or for me as a physician to challenge those belief systems. So an example of that is I've had people that have rejected the, the messenger RNA vaccines because they don't want genetic material in their body. So let's think about that for a second. Well, every time you eat a steak, genetic material from something foreign gets into your body. Think about that. Or if you're really fearful of genetic material in your body, you should be super fearful of viruses because what are viruses trying to do? Viruses are trying to get RNA or DNA in your body. Now, fortunately, we have ways of protecting ourselves against that, but the beauty of the messenger RNA is that you're just taking a small little snippet of genetic material that's coding for a protein. You don't even get the whole RNA or the whole DNA. It's just a little snippet. And so that's going to be intrinsically safer. And by producing a protein based on that little email that we get from the vaccine, you're protecting your body against getting RNA and DNA in your body from viruses. So when you think about it in those terms, um, sure, we love to respect uh, patients' belief systems, but let's at least make those belief systems cohesive and internally consistent. It would seem, too, that we have an issue with, you know, when people see four or five items on a Facebook feed or something and their cousin says it, that is, that's almost assigned the same amount of weight as something that comes from a group of research scientists who've been working on something for 10 years. Yeah, well, again, sometimes the cousin may be more right than the research scientist, and and you know we all, we all make mistakes, but again, the evidence is what's important. So again, I don't 
hopefully I sound credible, but you should trust me, not because I sound credible, but you should trust me because I'm looking at the data and I'm trying to help people understand the data. And as we, as we ended our last session, it's not about absolutes. It's about looking at the data and one, determining that we know the risk versus benefit and we know how that plays out based on who we are. And with those first two elements, I think people will make much better decisions than just trusting their cousin on Facebook saying, you should take zinc because it's good for you. Yeah. And, and maybe we'll get into that for the next session. In the meantime, check out the website, medevidence.com. That's medevidence.com. Thanks for joining the MedEvidence podcast. To learn more, head over to medevidence.com or subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform.